đời sông núi anh em ta đáp đời sông núi quyết bảo vệ sang sang ta thể chết cho quê hương at host my radio it's on on every monday and every friday and host my radio welcome to the show thank you Welcome to the 237th episode of Team Cat Home, my radio today. Happy Monday. Hope you guys are staying safe. Hope you guys are having a great day. Well, as you may know, the, uh, last Saturday, we did have the um, Richland has a PTK event called Funding My Dreams, basically with scholarships and many other speakers as well. Hope you guys are enjoying that. Hope you guys, um, those who are able to go or those who there stayed or those who are able to go and stayed, Hope you guys are enjoying those that event because that's pretty informative. Had a lot of information that many people don't know about scholarships and all that other stuff. Those things are pretty important because why not? Because without that, without those informations, we do not. Now, without those informations, many of us don't know what to do. And of course, there's a lot of stuff that can help and a lot of things that they can actually give. What tools you need to have. And that was the best way for you to at least start trans get ready for transferring next semester. Well, so let's so this Friday we have okay that's a little too far. But Wednesday we have a cooking demo. We're doing uh, lasagna soup. Hopefully it turns out good because I'm pretty sure it's gonna turn out pretty well. And it's gonna be the persons in charge of the event will be the center at large for for student success and and. Also, Senator at, Senator at Large for Workforce and Advancement. So, both of these people, and of course, I'm going to be there as well. Hopefully, everyone's there. So, so we're going to be doing those cookings, teaching people how to cook. So, basically, making sure that people are, are there. Friday, we have a student, a student conference, a Fall Region 2 conference. So, hope you guys are going to be there and talking a lot of information, meeting me, new people. Hopefully, you guys are going to be there. All right, let's get into the report. Make sure to tune every Monday and Friday for our podcast. No radio show this week, but we'll have it on December 1st. Despite diversity pledges, even the moderates have been shut out of Hong Kong's revamped district council poll. The three local committees who decided to stand in Hong Kong's revamped district council election on December 10th, the area committees, district fight crimes committees, and district fire safety committees, have nominated 171 candidates for the 88 directly elected seats, including 129 of their own members. These will be the first elections since the pandemics swept the field in 2019 on the widespread of dissatisfaction with the city's government. They are also the first election under new arrangements that mandates candidates be officially recognized patriots. There are some surprises. First, it appears that 75% of the candidates in the geographical race already sits on the committees that who decides who stands in the elections. A cautious approach. You might think one committee member said that he or she did, did not dare to nominate potential candidates without Beijing's blessing. Beijing's leads in office likely played a role in coordinating nominations to ensure the outcome desired by the central authorities. Second, 
A source did not approve, a- approve any of the Democrats' party's six potential candidates during the during the run-up to the Legislative Council elections in 2021. Spokesperson for the central authorities, such as Tian Fei Long and Lo Meng Ting of the Democratic Alliance for the Betterment and Progress of Hong Kong, told us that the Democrat Party might violate the national security law if it bans its members from taking part. The party is seen as undermining official policy that is subversion under Article 22 of the legislation. Nevertheless, the Democrat Party chose to sit out the polls, not a surprise given that many of its leaders were in jail or have fled Hong Kong. I am unaware of any arrest of its members for national security crimes as a result. Lao Su Kai, a senior member of the leading national think tank, so that at the t- at the time that sitting out electrical polls could be seen as a form of soft resistance, and advised patriotic Patri- Democrat Party members who wish to remain active in politics to quit the party and form a new group. In the current district council poll, authorities have made it clear that their amnesty towards their former opposition, likely include, likely including the Democratic Party. Lee's in office, Zheng Yangshong, said that it is unlikely for someone who is actively opposing China and causing chaos in Hong Kong yesterday and belong to a, a political camp that is still anti-China and disrupting Hong Kong to suddenly transform to a patriot today by merely chanting a few slogans. Lao pointed out that the radical parties or groups, the Democratic Party, have never apologized for their role in the 2019 anti-government protests. They have never publicly repudiated their past positions, show remorse for their past deeds, and, sinc- and sincerely expressed their intention and determination to change their ways. Young Sum, a former leader of the Democrat Party, who was who's the successor of Martin Lee, pointed out that it has always supported one country, two systems. The party was aware, he said, of calls for an apology but should not give up its basic beliefs just for the sake of running an election. If it changes, it, is not, it will not be itself the Democratic Party. It thus appears stuck in the kind of a twilight zone, unable to back, un- move back into electoral politics, which is a goal of political parties. Third, and much more surprising, was the failure of, of the authorities to nominate any of the candidates put forward by, middle, by moderate middle-way political organizations such as the Path of Democracy, Roundtable, Hong Kong Association for Democracy and People's Livelihood, and Third, and third Side, all, le- all led by certified patriots such as Executive Council member Ronnie Tong and Electrical member Michael Tian. How to explain this? Lai implies that though, to- though Tong and Tian and other leaders may meet the standards of being patriots, the candidates themselves are unknown to the authorities. There would, there would be a high risk for the nominators if they turn out to are not to measure up, he writes. This is a trust issue. Plainly, the authorities in charge of the nominations do not um, sufficiently trust the endorsements of patriots such as Tong and Tian. Which really makes no sense because Tong himself served in an executive commit in the executive council. He himself, of course, they say, well, how about his past, um, past pro-democracy, like he was a former member of the Pacific Party. But that, we're not talking about in the past. We're talking about today. That's a different story. And this, we are seeing the bureaucratization of patriotism. Lao Tzu Kai referencing the Hong Kong and Macau's affairs office, Xia Bao Long, identifies at least two different levels of patriotism. Basic, sincerely safeguard national, national sovereignty, security, and developments 
interests and not endangering them. And advanced, respecting and safeguarding and not endangering the fundamental systems of the country and as a constitutional order that is the social system led by the Chinese Communist Party, CCP. <laughs> there is probably at least a third level, unstated here, in which senior patriots actively and publicly advocate party policies. I speculate that in the eyes of the authorities, the Democrat Party has yet to achieve even the basic level, while the middleweight organizations are perhaps patriots on probation and not yet substa- um, substantiated. How diversity will authorities accept and now let go in district councils. And the in the authoritative state council white paper on Hong Kong's democratic development, which mentions democracy with Hong Kong's characteristics, the central government touting Hong Kong's new electoral systems states that it is inclusive. Elections should reflect more than one voice, the white paper declares. Candidates for LegCo represents various political groups and interests from different points on the political spectrum espousing different political philosophies and aspiring to different goals. It continues having Hong Kong patriots govern Hong Kong does not, inc- does not exclude people with different political views or ideas, nor will criticism of the government will uh, be suppressed. Democracy in the Hong Kong SAR allows ample room for different opinions and, pol- and political groups, and there will be a plurality of voices in the, in the government. <laughs> Although the state council was discussing electrical elections, surely the same logic applies to district councils. If so, there is little evidence of this commitment to diversity of political ideas and now district council candidate nominations. Accordingly, we need better explanation of why authorities deny the nominees of these organizations a chance to compete and deny voters more diverse candidates. Legical member Michael Tian had demanded more transparency in the process of selecting district council man- candidates. This is a good thing. In 2018, the Hong Kong SAR government committed itself to be to be open and transparent and accountable to the public. As far as possible, Government Secretary of 2008 Update 2018, Government Circular no- Number 7-2008, to- uh, Public Opinion. <laughs> is our government still committed to these values? Or this is not p- possible now? If so, why transparency is important for building trust and legitimacy and is the bedrock of accountable government? Sure, the authorities owe the people of Hong Kong more information about how they select candidates for our district council election. Yeah. Why are, why are they hiding about? <laughs> I wonder what they're hiding. Who are they afraid of? Are they afraid of the Chinese Communist Party? Because if they're afraid of the Commons Party, then they shouldn't even be having a government in the first place. Many people like me will just tell them stop doing this kind of thing. We talked about the Philippines boat before, and we did talk about the second Thomas Show incident that happened during the week on Friday. So we will talk about as well again. Chinese vessels engage in high seas chase of Philippine boats carrying journalists. Not soldiers, just journalists. As a Philippine Coast Guard rubber rubble's carry current journalist speeds towards Filipino troops on a grounded navy vessels in the disputed South China Sea. Three Chinese speedboats gave chase. The high seas pursuit near Second Thomas Shoal in the Spratly Island on on Friday ended when Philippine when Philippine Navy 
Navy inflatable speedboats deployed from the crumbling BRP Sierra Madre and blocked the approaching Chinese vessels. Moments later, the Philippine Coast Guard craft um, carrying AFP and local media outlets slipped into the shallow waters of the shoal. It floated about 180 meters, about 200 yards, from the World War II era BRP, BRP Sierra Madre where a handful of Marines were stationed. One of the nine Philippine outposts in the hotly contested Spratleys. The Rusty Hulk had been a flashpoint for, Mani- for Manila and Beijing since the Philippines Navy ran its aground in 1999 to check China's advance in the water. China's claims almost the claim claims almost the entire South China Sea and has ignored an international ruling that its stance has no legal basis. It deploys steel hold ships and speedboats to, get, to patrol the waters and reefs in the sea, and has built artificial islands that has militarized to reinforce its claims. Tensions has escalated under Philippines under Philippine President Fernando Fernand Marcos, whose administration has been vocally uh, increasingly vocal in criticizing Chinese actions in the sea. We supply and rotations missions to the BRP Sierra have become a frequent trigger of diplomatic spats between, between the countries. Manila accuses Chinese vessels of harassing and blocking Philippine boats, bl- delivering food, water, and materials for badly needed repairs. Beijing, which has urged Manila to remove the ships, insisted, insists the Philippine vessels are infringing China's territorial sovereignty. Sakatama Shoal is about 200 kilometers, about 120 miles, if you, rain, if you Yankees out there, from the western Philippines island of Palawan, and more than 1,000 kilometers from China's nearest major landmass, Hainan Island. On Friday, the Philippines accused the Chinese Coast Guard of dangerous harassments of, Filipi- of Filipino boats near the reef, including firing a water cannon and blocking vessels. The incident happened. Nearly three weeks ago, three weeks after two collisions between Chinese and Philippine vessels doing another resupply mission with the country's trading plane. China's actions have sparked international concerns and fueled fears for a potential accident or miscalculation serious enough to ignite a military conflict. Manila's longtime ally, Washington, reiterated Friday that its mutual defense pact with the Philippines extends to arms attacks on Philippine armed, armed forces, public vessels, or aircraft, including those of the Coast, Coast Guard anywhere in the China, South China Sea. The United States stands shoulder to shoulder without Philippine allies in the face of the People's Republic of China's repeated harassments in the South China Sea, U.S. State Department spokesperson Matthew Miller said in a, st- in a statement. As the journalists sat sat in a rubber boat under a cloudy sky, observing the dilapidated state of the BRP Sierra Madre on Friday, a U.S. maritime patrol plane circled overhead. The Philippine Coast Guards identified five Chinese Coast Guard, 28 maritime militia, and five Navy vessels floating nearby. The Philippines was vastly outnumbered, with three Coast Guard's vessels escorting two small wooden supply boats chartered by the Armed Force of the Philippines to deliver provisions to the troops. 
The Philippine Coast Guard and Navy also deployed three rigid hold inflatable boats, each to assist in the mission, which was which was completed Friday. Philippines Coast Guard Commandant Admiral Ronnie G- Ronnie Gil Gil Gavin told reporters Saturday that they remain unflinching in performing resupply missions and outposts. The Philippines Coast Guard will not be deterred from implementing the Philippine the president's explicit guidance for the Philippines to exercise our legal rights over our maritime zones, Gavin said. So stand strong there, Philippines. Stand strong there. Because the Chinese government, not Chinese people, Chinese government, are being extremely belligerent, extremely tough, and extremely, extremely, har- and they harass a lot of people. Japan's calls for release of national jail for 12 years in China on spying charges. Japan has urged China to release its national, who was sentenced to 12 years in prison on espionage charges, Tokyo's top government spokesperson said Monday. We are aware that on November 3rd, the verdict of 12 years in prison to a Japanese man in his 50s who has been detained since Jul- in July 2019 was finalized as his verdict was turned as his appeal was turned down at high at the high court in China's Hunan province. Hirokazu Matsuno told reporters, "The Japanese government will continue offering every support we can from the viewpoints of protecting Japanese citizens." He added, "Since China amended anti-espionage law went into effect in 2015." At least 17 Japanese people have been detained by Chinese authorities, according to the Japanese Foreign Ministry. Last month, Japan's embassy in China confirmed that one of its citizens, an employee of Japanese pharmaceutical companies, Estella's, had been, char- had been formally arrested months after Beijing said it has ita- detained a man on spying allegations. Both, chi- both Chinese leader Xi Jinping and Japanese Prime Minister Fumio Kishida are due to attend the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit, or EPEC, in San Francisco this week. But Matsuno said, There is no fixed plans regarding a a Japan-China summit on the sidelines of the meeting. Japanese local media reported that diplomats on both sides are working towards towards holding a meeting between between the leaders in San Francisco. If she and Kishida do hold talks, the agenda will likely include Japanese citizens detained by China, Japanese news agency Gigi reported, citing unnamed government sources. Kishida also raised China's blanket ban on Japanese seafood import following Tokyo's release of wastewater from the the crippled Fukushima nuclear plant, Gigi reported. Beijing have also the um, detain a series of people, both Ch- Japanese and Chinese, in recent years on allegations of spying for its island's neighbor. Perennial rivals in East Asia, tensions between China and, and Japan have long simmered over territorial dispute, Tokyo's colonial history, and other flashpoints. That flared up again since Tokyo this year began releasing treated wastewater from the Fukushima nuclear disaster site. A move that international agencies insisted is safe, but Beijing has lambasted as irresponsible. I mean, the Communist Party is just so paranoid when it comes to arresting people. 
like they always do, you know. They always like to do it because they want to make sure that they are high and mighty on some certain things. High and mighty on everything, even though they've not been high, high and mighty. Finance chief Paul Chan hopes to expand Hong Kong's networks of friends at Epic Summit in the U.S. Amidst economic uncertainty, Hong Kong hopes to bring U.S. companies to the city and broaden its network of friends. Finance Minister Paul Chen has said during an EPEC, during an Asia Pacific Economic Cooperation EPEC summit in San Francisco. Escalating geopolitical tensions, high interest rates, and macroeconomics uncertainties have given rise to decreased risk appetite and cautious investment attitude. <laughs> Chen, who left for the U.S. on Saturday, wrote in the Chinese language blog post on Sunday. Faced with complex and uncertain future prospects is is crucial for major economies to engage in more dialogue and exchanges, enhance understanding, manage, manage differences, promote cooperations, and seek joint solutions for stability and economic development, he said. Finance chief said he has three objectives at the EPEC forum. To demonstrate new opportunities in finance and tech in Hong Kong, to make new friends in the international community, and to introduce American companies to Hong Kong. We hope to introduce new opportunities in finance and innovative technology development in Hong Kong to to government and business leaders from various economies, he wrote. We also aim to gain a better understanding of the development situations, strategies, and global economic changes and prospects of different economies. Chan said he intended to expand Hong Kong's network of friends establish a stronger foundation for cooperation. Making friends and fostering exchanges will help the international community better understand Hong Kong, new advantages and potential as we enter a new stage from stability to prosperity, he said. Certainly, I plan to visit local businesses and meet with representatives from the business community to introduce Hong Kong's excellent business environment, particularly in promoting finance, innovation, and technology, he continued. Hong Kong has announced talent policies and incentives for firms to set up in the city following an outflow of expats and foreign companies amidst strict COVID-19 restrictions from and following the enforcement of the national security law in June 2021. In June 2020, sorry. Last month, Chan said 30 strategic enterprise have been drawn to the city, nearly 80% of which came from mainland China. Hong Kong's innovation chief had brushed aside fears that strained relations between China and the U.S. will spill over into Hong Kong's tech sector. Secretary for Innovation, Technology, and Industry Sun Dong said earlier that it ha- that a U.S. executive order to prohibit or restricts U.S. investments in certain sensitive high-tech sectors, and China would have a relatively limited impact on Hong Kong's tech development. China Sunday evening posed for a photograph with U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, who at at the EPEC EPEC Forum said China and the U.S. need healthy economic relations following meetings with Chinese Vice Premier He Li Feng. Speaking to reports last week, Chan said he would not be meeting U.S. politicians in San Francisco. Chan's attendance at the summit comes after after the U.S. government confirmed this uh, uh, confirmed earlier this month that Chief Executive John Lee had received a personal invitation, but would not 
ten over scheduling issues. These among among several Hong Kong and Chinese officials have been hit by U.S. sanctions over the crackdown on the 2019 protests in Hong Kong. The U.S. Department of State did not give Hong Kong Free Press a straight answer as to whether Lee has pers- has received a personal invite, despite reports the U.S. has sought to bar him. I mean, as much as we want the economies to do better, but the national security law is there. How are you going to be able to get these guys to work when they can't? When they're afraid that they're gonna, something's going to happen to them? Pro-Beijing lawyer petitions high court to allow arrest of U.S. lawmakers behind Hong Kong sanction acts. A a pro-Beijing lawyer has petitioned Hong Kong's high court to allow all people to be able to arrest five U.S. lawmakers who sought to impose sanctions on Hong Kong's judges and prosecutors. In a right filed on Friday in his his company's name, Sino uh, Moral Limited, Jimmy Shiu asked the high court to hand down an arrest or hand out an order for the arrest of U.S. Representative Young Kim, Jim McGovern, and John Curtis, as well as Senators Je- Dan Sullivan and Jeff Merkley. <laughs> Five lawmakers were behind a bill introduced on November 1st, asking Washington to determine whether 49 designated national security t- judges, prosecutors, and government officials accountable for human rights violations should face to face sanctions under existing U.S. legislation. According to local media reports, Xu said the five intended to pressure Hong Kong courts by introducing the Hong Kong Sanction Acts and accused them of perverting the course of justice in contempt of court. He petitioned the court to allow the arrest of the five lawmakers not just by the police, but by civilians as well. The introduction of the act earlier this month had escalated into a political role, with Hong Kong Hong Kong slamming the despicable intimidation and pro-establishment heavyweights, saying that, saying that national security cases may be moved to mainland China if U.S. if U.S. sanctions were to disrupt court proceedings. Liu Guangyuan, deputy director of China's liaison office, called the U.S. move ridiculous when he gave a speech during Hong Kong's Legal Week from the from November sixth to tenth. Lao Sukai. A consultant for semi-official Beijing <laughs> think tank, the Chinese Association of Hong Kong Macau Studies, said last week that Beijing has pre- prepared a last resort in Article 55 of the National Security Law, which states the case may be transferred to mainland China's jurisdiction under certain circumstances, such as foreign interference. But Hong Kong Justice Minister Paul, uh, Paul Lam has dialed back the narrative, saying he was confident that Hong Kong could handle upcoming na- upcoming national security cases. Xiu has a track record of launching legal battles against Hong Kong opposition figures. In 2016, he took a legal action to revoke pro-democracy activist Benny Tai's passport, alleging that the former law scholar had advocated for Taiwan's independence. In 2017, he filed a right asking the Equal Opportunities Commission to investigate lawmaker-elect Yao Wai Ching over her oath-taking fallout. In 2021, Xiu petitioned the High Court to allow the Department of Justice to persecute Chang Tom Kai, a Hong Kong man who allegedly killed his girlfriend in Taiwan and fled to Taiwan and fled to Hong Kong. This case sparked a political crisis over a now ex-extradition bill, which turns led to months of intense protests and arrests in Hong Kong. 
So this person is not new to many people. Well, I don't know who he was at the time. Now, since because I said I reported and I spoke about it, now I know what this person is. And why is this person so has a reputation of suing many other pe- people in the pro-democracy camp? Which I'm not surprised there. Reason why I'm not, reason why I'm not surprised is because I expect to see something going on. Right? I expect to see something going on. What was the report? Oh yeah. Why not? Hong Kong's low organ donations rate due to conservative attitudes rather than abnormal regist- registry removals. Hong Kong's low organ donation rate had largely down to conservative attitudes rather than abnormal withdrawals from a donor registration register, a leading doctor has said. Louis Sing Lung, the chair of the Hong- of the Hospital Authority Cent- Central Renal Committee, spoke to RTHK's English language radio show on Monday morning to discuss the trend following the city's organ donation day on Saturday. In 2020, Hong Kong has just 4.7 organ donors per month per million people, significantly below Spain, which with 46 donors per month people uh, per month people had had among the highest donations rates in the world. A total of 42 kidneys were donated in the city in the first nine months of 2023, while more than 2,340 late-stage kidney failure patients were waiting for organs as of September. People in Hong Kong compared to the Western countries are relatively more conservative in terms of the idea of preserving the body after death, Louis told RTHK. Often, the potential donors' relatives are not sure about the wish of the potential donor, and therefore they do not they decide not to donate the organ. A survey conducted by the Census and Statistics Department have found that most people unwilling to de- donate organs after death, saying their reluctance came from want- wanting to keep the body intact. Lloyd also said that city's low low organ rate has little to do with the recent um, recent spate of applications to withdraw from its opt-in organ registry. Earlier this year, the city saw a spike in invalid, uh, retru- invalid withdrawals from its opt-in system for organ donations after the government proposed integrating Hong Kong hospitals with the China, with the China, with the China organ transplant response system to allow organs from Hong Kong to be donated to recipients in mainland China, and vice versa. The withdrawals include those who have not registered in the first place or have not completed the identity verification process, the Department of Health later said. In June, Chief Executive John Lee drew comparison between the activities and the quote-unquote black riots in 2019 after four people were arrested over alleged access to their computer with dishonest intent in relation to the registry cancellation. This means use, this mean, the means used are very similar to those used in the 2019 Black Riots and Hong Kong's version of, of the Color Revolution, Lee said, referring to the protests sparked by a controversial action bill that year. Demonstrations escalated into sometimes violent displays of dissent against police behavior amidst calls for democracy and anger over Beijing's encroachment. Lee added that repeated registrations and withdrawals from the opt-in organ registry were abnormal and created an illusion of cancellation by individuals' shameless people. Two men were charged with criminal damage to, um, to property over their alleged disruption to the organ donation system last Thursday. 
Organ Donation Day was established in 2016, amidst effort to promote organ donations in Hong Kong. Despite rapid advancements in healthcare technologies, organ transplant remains the only hope for many patients with organ failure to live on. Acting, Sec- Acting Secretary for Health Libby Lee said at an event to mark the occasion on Saturday. Currently, more than 2,000 patients are waiting for organ transplant in Hong Kong to, shor- to shorten patients' waiting time for organ transplant and to bring new life to them. Active organs for, or- for organ donations by members of the public are, pl- are critically important, she continued. The health official encouraged Hong Kongers to join the centralized organ donation register which currently has more than 363,000 members to offer hope to patients waiting for organs. I don't know how they were able to do it, but hope, but, but God bless them who actually help with the uh, with things like with the organ failures, right? Because many people needed that organ and they needed that protection. I mean, no matter what, I'm happy that many people... Um, I know that many people say, I don't want to take the organ. That's understandable. It's understandable. Because in Chinese, in, in China, in Chinese people, they always want to keep the body preserved. You know how precious the body is. Even if they're dead, they have to preserve the body nonetheless. As much as we don't, you know, don't like what the people would want to do or give the donations to anybody, it's always good to always give to someone who actually needed more than you. Now, some people, I'm not a doctor or anything, but there are some people that can live with just only one kidney. And then again, you're going to have to ask the doctor that, because I can't answer that. Look up for medical stuff and look up online, because I can't answer that. But there is an instance where people, where a healthy person who are not diagnosed with cancer, somehow he got an organ transplant. I don't know if there's any cases on that, but if they would, maybe you guys should let me know. Chinese leader Xi Jinping, U.S. President Joe Biden to talk global peace, quote-unquote, and development at summit, Beijing says. Chinese leader Xi Jinping and U.S. President Joe Biden will discuss global, global peace and development at a summit this week in San Francisco, Beijing said on Monday. The two head of state will have an in-depth, in-depth communication on strategic, general, and directional issues concerning U.S. Uh, China-U.S. relations, as well as major issues concerning global peace and, and development, Foreign Ministry spokeswoman Mao Ning told a regular briefing. China is not afraid of competition, but we oppose defining the China-U.S. relationship in terms of competition, she added. Biden and Xi will hold their first meeting in nearly a year this week on the sidelines of the EPEC summit in California. Two leaders will discuss a range of bilateral, regional, and global issues, as well as ways to responsibly manage competition, White House Press Secretary Karine Jean Pierre said. The Xi Biden summit follows a series of meetings in recent months between high level officials in Beijing, Washington, and elsewhere, but will be the leader's first encounter since November 2022 in Bali. Wednesday meeting will aim to stabilize relations that have since plunged into deep freeze, a senior U.S. official said, cautioning not to expect major outcomes. Mao urged the United States on Monday 
to earnestly respect China's reasonable concerns and legitimate development rights, rather than only emphasizing its own concerns while harm, harming China's interests. China does not seek to change the United States, and the United States should also not sh seek to shape or change China. But China themselves has to change within themselves. We can't change them. Yes, we agree. We can't change them. But they also should change themselves, not us. They should, they should also the one who changed the crap up. Because that's their, because the problem that they have is ignorance. They're so ignorant that they don't even really care about what's going on. Alright, we're going to go through this quickly here. Hong Kong schools to host first education fair to attract students from Greater Bay Area amidst following enrollments. At least 120 of the city's primary and secondary schools will participate in an education fair aimed at recruiting students living in the Greater Bay Area amidst declining enrollments and falling fertility rate. The first GBA Hong Kong Ex Education Expo will be hosted from December 15th to 17th at the Asia World Expo Center. It is being organized by four local school councils serving institutions under direct or partly subsidized schemes. Dion Chen, chairman of the Hong Kong Direct Subsidies Scheme Schools Council, one of the organizing parties, told Hong Kong for Press that Hong Kong has seen more students from mainland China and overseas since the border reopened in February. Children whose parents are non-permanent residents have also come to Hong Kong for schooling. Non-local parents are not familiar with Hong Kong education resources and admission procedures. Therefore, we hope to introduce a fair catering to them for them. Chesa and Cantonese, estimating around 20,000 people, would visit the fair. So Hong Kong enforced strict border controls throughout the COVID-19 pandemic, which remains in place until normal travel between the city and the mainland China was resumed in February. The restrictions coincided with a decline in the city's population. As local and expat families left Hong Kong amidst ongoing anti-epidemic measures, it followed an imposition of a national security law that has reshaped the city's curriculum. China added that representatives of school councils have also visited Beijing, Shanghai, and different cities in GBA to speak with, to parents who are interested in sending their children to Hong Kong for schooling. The GBA is a, a megalopolis spanning Hong Kong, Macau, and nine mainland Chinese cities have been earmarked by Beijing, by Beijing as a hub for technology innovation and investments. Hong Kong has been experiencing a decreasing number of local students due to, to, due to its low birth rates and immigration wave. According to Hong Kong Free Press calculation, based on the Education Bureau's annual, annual enrollment statistics report, over 27,000 pro, 27, primary and secondary students discontinued their education in Hong Kong last year. As a result, the Education Bureau announced that at least five Primary schools under the government subsidy schemes faced closure after falling short of the primary one uh, enrollment thresholds of 16 students. Even renowned schools have seen fewer students, with the likes of Yinghua College and Creative Secondary School still recruiting transfer students last August, Hong Kong One reported. In response to Hong Kong One, the Bureau said for the 2022 to 2023 and 2023 to 2024 school years, there were nine secondary schools which had only two classes for Form 1 students. According to estimates, the populations of school-aged children is expected to undergo 
a structural decline, the Bureau said in its Chinese language statement. And it would closely monitor students' numbers and work to ensure the quality of education. Chen, who is also a principal of Yinghua, Yinghua College, told Hong Kong Press that while most places were reserved for students from Yinghua Primary School, the college had received more applications for the 2023 to 2024 school year, with 1,800 applications competing for 80 places for external students. We can tell that there has been more students from mainland China applying, but we cannot provide the exact numbers so far, Chen said. To tackle the issues of brain drain, the Hong Kong government has introduced a new work permit called the Top Talent Pass Scheme and relaxed the requirements of some existing work visas to attract talents to the city. Hong Kong issued around 100,000 work visas in the first nine months of the year, around 2.5 times more than the total numbers granted in 2022 when, when COVID-19 travel restrictions remained in force. At least 78.7% of the 100,000 visa holders are from mainland China, according to statistics from the Immigration Department. According to a survey of 1,200 of non-local workers conducted by pro-Beijing lawmake, lawmakers Jesse Song and Tang, and Tang Fei, 75.8% sent their children to Hong Kong schools, with 40% going to, going to public schools. The lawmakers urge authorities not to close or merge local schools as they believe there were more school-aged children would arrive in Hong Kong as a result of the talent schemes. I don't know how this will improve students going to school, going to, getting more enrollments, but who knows what they're going to be doing because of how strict the rules are. And of course, we'll explain more after a break. Welcome back. Decades after the end of white terror, Taiwan still struggles to come to terms with its painful past. Tucked away in a remote area of New Taipei City, Xiandian uh, District, visitors to a former political prison gaze on a succession of concrete buildings, empty cells, and propaganda messages from Taiwan's martial law era. At the entrance up to what now a park, Chinese characters reading fair and uncorrupt welcome visitors. Almost change almost ch- change has almost nothing has changed, said Fred Chin, a new four year old who recalls entering the prison for the first time at age twenty one. I read the characters and thought I would be f- I would finally be released. Instead, he was locked up for twelve years. Walking out a gloomy corridor, the former political prisoners came to his old cell. Speaking softly, he describes his sparse fitting and how depressed it made him feel. It was not his first vi- visit since 2011. He has volunteered as a guide at what is now the Jingmei, Jingmei White Terror Memorial Park. When you open your heart, the pressure releases, and eventually you find find some happiness to tell your story to the public, he said. Chin was among about 200,000 victims of Taiwan's authoritarian period, but is one of these few still alive and willing to talk about his experience. Born in 1949 in Malaya, which is now Malaysia, he first set foot on the island in 1967 as a foreign student in the city of Tainan. Of Tainan. Of Tainan. Three and a half years ago, a man came to his dorm and sent him to Taipei. 
There, he was beaten, tortured, and forced to write confession, supposedly admitting he had planned an explosion at the Tainan, at the Tainan American News Agency when someone else confessed to the blast. He was forced to write another confession, this time falsely claiming he had joined the Communist Party of Malaya. Two weeks later, he was he would be transferred to Jiang to Jingmei Prison. I saved one year and a half in the ce- in the cell in the dark. I was dead inside. I saw no hope. He recalled. Later, he was transferred to Green Island in the southeast for another eight and a half years, and filed to re-education center for two years. After my release in 1983, I didn't want to say anything about the past. Chin said, "It was not until 2009 that he finally opened up. Someone called me instantly." To ask me questions, I finally felt like I couldn't escape, so I ended up accepting the interview. I couldn't sleep for a couple weeks afterward. Later, he found a reason to tell his story, to give the younger generations a chance to learn something about the past, a way for them to preserve the hard-earned democracy and freedom they enjoy today. From from 1949 to 1987, Taiwan lived under a martial law regime in which dissidents and presumed dissidents. Or jail, torture, or otherwise suppressed—a period which historian calls the White Terror. After lifting the the martial law of martial, after the lifting of martial law in 1987, Taiwan slowly transitioned to democracy, thanks to Li Donghui. Uh, uh, Jiang Qingguo did lift some parts of mar- lift all martial law in 1987. Since 2007, the former Jingmei Military Detention Center has been a place of remembrance, hosting many exhibitions and welcome and welcoming artists linked directly or indirectly with the years of repression. On the day Chen spoke to Hong Kong Free Press, the former prison was launching its latest installation, a collection of photos, arts, books, and artifacts belonging to the victims of the authoritarian period. Many prison, many foreign prisoners, now in their 80s and 90s, were invited to the opening. Transforming the relics of the former regime into the museums was not always an obvious choice for Taiwan's government. It was not until 2002, two years after the Democratic Progressive Party came into power for the first time, the Green Island Prison was open to visitors. Originally, the place was supposed to become another prison. It is not exactly how it used to be. Li Qi Sheng, Li Qi Sheng, director of the Green Island Memorial Park. This month, the former Hong Kong, Hong Kong reception house, where citizens were subject to mental and physical torture, will be open to the public for the first time. But much of the of what remains from the White Terror era is in ruins since the period remains highly sensitive. One of its main points of contention is the status of Chiang Kai-shek Memorial Hall, the monument to the former authoritarian leader, in a giant square in the center of Taipei, attracts thousands of tourists each year. Many activists and civil servants believe it should be transformed into a museum devoted to democracy. Some even call for the giant statue of Chiang Kai-shek to be dismantled and want the government to stop spending money on a memorial to a dictator. On October 30th, about 50 people walked the steps of the memorial, memorial holding a picture of the seized victims of the White Terror. The author of crimes shouldn't have shouldn't have a memorial at the center of Taipei," said Oka Ang. I apologize for butchering that name. This place has to be has to be destroyed," she added, with tears in her eyes. Fred Chen, who is also present, believes, like many others, that the Moral Park should be transformed. For victims of the White Terror and their relatives, knowing that 
The country is spending so much money protecting this big statue is an insult, said Chen Jun Hong, a professor of human rights at at Sochan University in Taipei and former director of Taiwan's Human Rights Museum. In Germany, some people still worship Hitler, but the state won't use public money to please the worshippers. The comparison would not please everyone. Members of the Kuomintang, the party that ruled Taiwan during the White Terror era, still see Chiang Kai-shek as a war hero. I know answer people would involve Alexander Wang, the party's director of international affairs, said when he asked about the era. But we shouldn't use the short period of white terror to eliminate Chiang Kai-shek's contribution to the Republic of China. He led our country to victory in World War II. Today, the KMT is, is the island's main opposition party, while the DPP, in power since 2016, considers Taiwan effectively as an independent island. The KMT envisions a future with mainland China. We have a long-term objective to bring democracy to the whole of China, said Huang. But as a former Taiwan, authoritarian party, some doubts its commitments to democracy. From 2018 to 2022, the Tsai Ing-wen administration sponsored a transitional justice commission to investigate abuses between 1945 and 1992, so for many activists, it did not go far enough. With a presidential election in January, Wang said he deployed using the white terror period and transitional justice as a political tool to disrupt his party. I do believe that there were wrongdoings that were that has since been corrected. I think we should write that, write what happened in history textbooks. But I don't think we should use this period to, up, up time to say, this is why you should not vote for the KMT. Huang Si, the DPP, as had taken advantage of this period for political purposes and rubbing salt in the sit in the island's wounds. For most part. Justice had been served already, he said. The KMT interprets transitional justice as revenge, said Ch- Ch- Chen Jun Hong, a professor dedicated to investigations and education about the white terror era. He said the aim was not to bring perpetrators to justice, since most are already dead, but to let society know the truth. The important thing is that the country knows in which year what did what did wrong what wrong. This is the only way to commit not to let those things happen again. The goals of transitional justice is to understand. For example, these political organs had investigated. Did they practice torture? We are trying to have a comprehensive picture. Only by looking at how the system operates can we implement reform. From next year, education from transitional, transitional justice will be part of the curriculum in high schools. Chen conceded that many educators were alarmed by the move. Some think this is too political, that the government is dictating an ideology to them and giving a negative opinion of the KMT. Though through talking to his university students, Chen had become became aware how how sensitive this topic can be. At the beginning, the students have no particular interest in white terror or transitional justice. Some even never heard the story. Some think it's a partisan topic. But once they get in touch with the concrete materials, it changes. They become really devoted. To encourage people to learn about the past in a more neutral way, Chen focuses on what he calls cultural intervention. I use fictions, movies, and exhibitions to explain this past to students so they don't feel like we're talking about the KMT, he said. 
With Sochal's university situated in Xilin, an area where many relics of the White Terror remains, Chen and his students created maps linking stories and monuments from the period. Victims of the era said items and artworks collected by academics and students helped them deal with the, with the trauma of the past. One of the reasons why the two National Human Rights Museums were, sta- were originally established was to restore the periods of history. We also hope that through such a rest- restoration, we can bring release to those who suffered, said Li Chi Sheng, the director of Green Island Memorial Park. I don't have any nightmares anymore, said Fritchin. Who find who finds who has found relief in sharing his story with the public? He never knew the real reason for his arrest, but has stopped looking for the culprit. I totally walk away from the pain. I let the story be part part of myself. So it's good to let it's good to learn about what the history is because in honesty, I mean, let's be honest. We learn history just so that way we don't actually commit that thing again. And so far they haven't committed, which is good. So far, they, so far, over the years, over the past decades, they haven't committed anything bad in Taiwan. Though they did, in fact, apologize to the indigenous, they did, in fact, consider this thing to be one of the terrible errors. We can learn it. We can learn that thing from the past and not hate each other for it. Like, for example, we shouldn't be hating the KMT for what they've done. Because that thing is in the past. We can remember it and learn our lessons that, yes, this is bad. But if we don't learn from it, we are going to commit the same thing what, we, what we're going to end up doing. And we don't want that. Now that we learned that lesson, we're not worried. We're, not, we're a little bit less worried that we don't have to commit it again. Because we learned from it and there's no more problems anymore. That's good. So I'm hoping that we can move on and, and change what we think. But we cannot we basically forget, but we can't forget. So basically, we don't want to forget about what happened, but at the same time, we can still remember what's going on. We cannot say, well, let's just forget about everything. We can doesn't forget, but we can't forget about it. We know it's bad. It's good to learn from it. That's it. That's all I can say. We can learn from it. And thank you for doing, so what do you guys think? Should we learn it or should we not learn it? And thank you for tuning in, guys. If you guys enjoy this podcast, make sure to tune in every Monday and Friday for our regular podcast. Of course, this week we have cooking. We have a cooking demo on Wednesday. It's from eleven to one, so you guys can join in and maybe maybe see what's going on. Second, we have a we have a conference coming up, so hope you guys can join in as well to see what's going on. Mostly for offices, but at least I can give you guys we can give you guys what's going on in that day. Thank you for tuning in, guys, and we'll talk more next time. This is Team KO, my radio signing out. Hope you guys have a great day. Take care. At host my radio. It's on on every Monday and every Friday. At host my radio. Welcome to the show. Thank you.